Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. Uh, I'm not real sure if it's a great morning for me or not, but um, regardless, good morning to you guys. Uh, this guy's my dad, and uh, last week I was so proud of him because he just came out here, and, and I like to kind of stand back here and, and post up right here because I get this false sense of security that this uh, actually like does something. And uh, kind of like my, my home base. But he was like out cruising around. He had his paper. He was like, you know, I thought, wow, man, I'm so proud of him because I can't do that. And then I had the realization that um, uh, kind of brought him back down to earth. And I realized that if he was behind the pulpit, we wouldn't be able to see him. And, uh, but uh, all, all, all kidding aside, it... Uh, it is really nerve-wracking to be up here, and um, from my own experience, studying for the message can be really harsh, and in the sense that it seems like nothing seems to go your way uh, leading up to it. Ashton's speaking next week, and, and he was saying that he's starting to get sick. I said, oh yeah, perfect, you know, that's the way it goes. And uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's big things, you know, whether, like, somehow my computer came unplugged, and um, I lost my notes. And then, uh, so it doesn't matter if it's big or if it's little things. I, I was trying to roll out pizza dough to make my wife a pizza, and, and uh, the dough just wouldn't cooperate. And uh, I've done it before, and it was really easy. But for some reason, on, on message week, it just doesn't want to work. And I, I was this close to just uh, seeing how far pizza dough flies off the 11th floor of our apartment. But um, the cool thing is that you can punch pizza dough super hard, and nothing gets hurt. Um, so I'm excited for this day to be done with. And, uh, my wife told me, uh, I don't, I don't know if I really like when you talk. And so, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pray because we're definitely going to need it this morning. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much that, uh, you do have a sense of humor, Lord, and ask it this morning. I pray that uh, you'd speak to each one of us here individually, Lord. I pray, that, I pray that we'd leave with a better understanding, Lord, a, a better love of, of who you are. And, and um, I, I just ask that we'd have fun doing it. And um, I, I pray that we'd realize that it is a privilege to, to come before you, God. And I ask that you would be with Tripp and heal him as he's in his sickness and uh, help him get back up here so we can don't have to, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Now this morning we're going to be learning about... Uh, God, of course, that's why we come here. And uh, it's going to be found in 1 John. Uh, the verses we're going to focus on are going to be uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Um, while you're turning there, it, if you don't know where 1 John is, it's towards the back of your Bible. So um, if you're in the front, you're in the wrong spot. Unless your Bible's upside down, then you're good. But um, a few months ago, some of us from the mission here some of us from North Shore Christian Fellowship, and then uh, a couple guys from Al's Church up in Wahiwa. We all got together, and, and we made a basketball team because Calvary Chapel Komomai was putting on this church league. And so church leagues are pretty interesting. Uh, the, the way you know it's a church league, other than the lack of talent in some of us, is you pray before the game, and you pray after the game. Um, but otherwise... During the game, it gets pretty heated. And so, uh, in one of the games we played, um, 
me and this guy were, were under the basket, and, and uh, we had the ball. And um, see, I've played in other leagues, and, and I've never, I've gotten lots of fouls. Um, if you don't know what a foul is, it's when you do something wrong, you know, they, they call you on it. And uh, I've, I've gotten regular fouls a bunch, but for some reason in the church league, I happened to get a technical foul, which is where you do something extra wrong. And so I, I didn't think it was that bad. What happened is we were under the basket kind of jockeying for position, if you will, and, and as the ball went in, he took off to run to the other end of the court, and as he left, he kind of gave me a little love tap. And, and so I was grateful, and as I chased him down, I, uh, I wanted him to know that I loved him also. And so the, the way you do that is you, you'd put your arm around somebody, but for some reason as I was running up the court and right as I was passing him, when I went to put my arm out, the only thing that, that got out was my forearm and my elbow as I ran by. And then I guess he realized that maybe the love he showed me wasn't quite the love that I showed him. And so I think he wanted to hug me. And, but I think his timing was a little off. And it ended up being two hands in the back. And the ref saw none of the love and gave us both technicals. So when you place a team like this, you end up like giving it more than your all. You give it extra. And so uh, that's what I did in, in the next time we played these guys. And throughout the whole game, and I'm getting older, so aches and pains are part of the, what happens now, and, and so the next day after work, I, I was like, man, my knee really hurts, you know, not like it normally does, and so when I got home, I saw that my knee had swelled up really big, and uh, so I, I showed my wife, and my wife is a sick woman, and she saw it, and, and her eyes She's got beautiful big eyes, but they got really big and really excited. And she said, I can aspirate that for you. And if you don't know what that is, that is when you stick a needle into your knee and via syringe, you suck the fluid that's in there out. And so I didn't think that was the best idea. And I thought maybe we should think about it. On this particular night, my mom happened to be there. And my mom had to be in town early in the morning. And because we live in town... She asked if she could avoid the traffic by staying at her house. And me being the grateful, loving son that I am, I said, sure, Mom, you know, we'd be happy to have you. And so as soon as my mom said, I mean, my wife said that she thought we should aspirate this thing, my mom chimes in. Yeah, 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 I think we should. We should. Yeah, do it. Do it. I think we should. And I thought, you know what? If that was me when I was a child and I was acting like she was, I would have got a beating or a threaten of a beating. And I thought, Mom, just let me deal with this. I'm a big now. And so I, I told my wife I didn't think it was a good idea. And so eventually I won. And as we were leaving to go to eat dinner, my wife tells me, well, this is what I do every day. And you're a wimp. <laughs> and she was right on both accounts. I was afraid. Now, letting your wife aspirate your knee might be crazy to some of you people, but for me, my wife is in a residency, and she's doing orthopedic surgery, so for her, that's part of what she does. But there's a problem with that is that I'm married to this woman, and I have a husband-wife relationship, not doctor-patient. So I trust her in a lot of ways, but I haven't experienced that side of her necessarily. 
I mean, sure, I, I, I see her. She leaves work, and she's dressed in her scrubs. She's got a pager on this side, and all her credentials, her backstage passes on this side. And she looks like a doctor. And, and I'm, I'm full aware that wherever she's going is probably not a costume shop, and that she doesn't like dressing like a doctor every day because it's Halloween at her work every day. I realize that she's a doctor. I walked across the stage with her as she received her diploma from medical school that said, you have your MD now. I have all the paperwork. I have all the knowledge, but I haven't found that part of me to love her in that way yet. And, and so ever since then, I've kind of felt like I missed out on an opportunity to grow, develop my love for my wife in this way. And, and so when Tripp called me a few weeks ago, he says, hey, so you and Ashton and your dad are going to talk, and the subject is going to be God is. It's going to be in First John. So there's God is light, there's God is love, and then God is not of this world. And as soon as he said it, I knew which one I didn't want. And that was God is light. And then so I gave him the right answer. I said, hey, I'll pray about it. And then as soon as I hung up the phone, I was instantly convicted and reminded of this opportunity I'd missed to grow in my love for my wife. And, and I felt like God was telling me, like, look, you don't want to do God is light because it's something you're not comfortable with. But you know what? You don't want to miss this opportunity to develop your love for me in this way. And so this morning, this is kind of what I learned. This is my side of, of, of my, my very beginning, if you will, the foundation of me learning what God is like within the context of John 1, 4 through 9. And uh, if your Bible's anything like mine, uh, when you see this chapters in between four and five, right there, there's like a, a gap. And then it says, God is light. And it starts below verse four. But I have verse four on here because when I go to a, a buffet line, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm so focused on the meat of what's ahead. And, and yes, the meat of our story is after four. But sometimes I get so focused on on, on like getting my plate to the meat section that I missed the fork in front of me. And that's an important part of the meal. So that's how I feel about this verse 4 here. So we'll go ahead and look at our scriptures. 1 John 1, 4 through 9, uh, starting with verse 4. It says, These things we write so that our joy may be complete. Just a hint, anytime you see this kind of thing, like the reason I'm writing this to you is so that you can have joy, you might want to pay attention. There's a difference, however, between joy and happiness. Happiness deals with our mind uh, and our emotion more, more based on what's outwardly happening. Whereas joy resides in our spirit. It's, it's a part of us that's going to live for forever. It's kind of the essence of who we are. Happiness is going to come and go, but, but joy, for the most part, is going to live forever. Uh, Elton Trueblood, this old school preacher, uh, says this. He says, the Christian is joyful, not because he is blind to injustice and suffering, but because he is convinced that these, in the light of divine sovereignty, are never ultimate. The humor of the Christian is not a way of denying the tears, but rather a way of affirming something that is deeper than tears. See, 
we're to be full of joy, not, not because we're ignorant to what's going on around us, but because we know that what's going on around us is part of a bigger picture. In verse 5, God says, God is light, or John, I guess, was saying this, but he's saying God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, God is light is not something that's uh, some, a, a new idea to me. I watch my nephew's cartoons, and the supreme being always glows. I mean, yes, God is light, and, 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 and like I said, I, I, I know that, but I, I can't say that I'm attracted to it necessarily um, until I started doing this. When we read about God and light in the Bible, it's usually going to fall under three main headings. The first one is going to be the appearance of God. Psalm 104.2 says, God is covered in light as with a cloak. And then again in Psalm 76, he says, you are resplendent or shining or glowing with light. So we have the actual appearance of God like that, like a cartoon, like God is light. But then we have the second example, which is God's revealing light. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. And then further down, it says, the unfolding of your word gives light it gives understanding to the simple so we have like god's revealing or guiding light the third way we're going to see god's light is going to be via salvation psalms 21 7 1 says the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear see the knowledge we have of god is going to drastically change what what we see when we're looking at things in god's light it's going to change than if we're looking at it from a worldly perspective. For example, Psalm 27.1 that we just wrote, read, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David wasn't ignorant to what was going on around him. If you continue reading in Psalm 27, he gives us a, a, a list of things that he could be afraid of. He says, Evildoers devouring to eat his flesh. Armies encamping against him father and mother forsaking him, false witnesses rising against him. David saw all the dangers that surrounded him. He knew they were there. But David realized that God isn't just this light at the end of a tunnel kind of God, which I'm guilty of often. You know, for some reason I think of, you know, God being like the end of something. But, but it says right there in our, in our scripture, it says, God is light. God is here. God is now. David, what David did was he, he, didn't, he didn't see his problems as inescapable. He saw them as opportunities for God to show what he can do. And, and if you notice, the way he did it is he said that God is his salvation, all this stuff, and then he listed his problems, right? He put... He put God in front of his problems. And every time we do that, we have the right perspective. Uh, getting back to 1 John 6 and 7, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, I found this on the internet. You can find all kinds of junk. But 
Uh, I don't know why. You start searching for all kinds of stuff. But I read this about the human eye, and it was intriguing to me. It says, The human eye can function from very dark to very bright levels of light. Its sensing capabilities reach across nine orders of magnitude. This means, and bear with me, this is just, I mean, there's only one real sentence you need to pay attention to, and I'll, I'll tell you when that is. So if it sounds confusing, don't worry. I had to read it like a lot of times. I'm half Portuguese, and I was homeschooled. So if I can do it, you can do it. All right. It says, this means that the brightest and the darkest light signal that the eye can sense are a factor of roughly one billionth apart. However, in any given moment of time, the eye can only sense a contrast ratio of 1,000. What enables the wider reach is that, and this is the part, the eye adapts its definition to what is black. When I was a kid, we lived pretty close to the beach, and I would ask my mom if I could go surf, and, and of course, her, her and my dad, they'd, they'd let me walk to the beach. Uh, my mom would just tell me to be home by dark. I think they were hoping I'd get lost, but I always made it home. But by the time I got home, I'd get in the house, and my mom would be like, where have you been? And I was like, uh, I was at the beach. She's like, well, I was getting worried about you. <laughs> no, I'd be like, you told me to be home by dark. It's not even dark yet. See, when I'm outside and I'm in the dark, the longer I'm in the dark, my eyes adjust. And, and I feel like I, I still think, see things fine. You know, like, oh, I still got lots of time. I can still see fine, right? Whereas my mom, who's standing in the light, she's looking outside She's got a whole different perspective of what dark is. See, spiritually, while I have my spiritual walk, I, I like to look at where I'm at spiritually with dark because it can always get darker. We went to Israel and we walked through this tunnel and, and it is pitch black. It's, it's super long. There's like water. You can't see anything. Trip says, oh, yeah, you can buy this flashlight for a dollar before we went, yeah, from like the little gift shop. So I'm like, oh, cool, that thing, I got it. And I was like, it's not a flashlight. It was like a, a, a sunflower seed, the light. And I thought, what? What is this going to do? But when you get in something that black, it lights up fine. You know, so spiritually, we're not supposed to be comparing where our walk is to dark because it'll always get darker. And, and your eyes are adjusting and you think you're doing good. But what we're supposed to be doing is comparing it to God's light, which is almost depressing because he's perfect. But that's the way we're supposed to be looking at things. We're supposed to be walking in God's light. How do we walk in this light? Verse 7 tells us, it says, but if we walk in this light as he himself is in this light, so if we're walking in God's light, this is what we do. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son, his son, cleanses from all sins. So he gives us the way we do it right here. I want to focus on a couple of words here um, because when I think of these words, I, I think of them in a different light. The first one's going to be fellowship, which if you put it in the Greek, it means koinonia. Some words we would use to describe that would be association or community, communion. And then there's a couple I, I, I don't like and I've want to skip over them, but they're joint participation and participation. 
This is not only with God, this is with other people also. See, fellowship, for me, is, is going outside and, you know, after church, and we got Ted's Donuts out there, and, and they're cut perfect. They're not just square, you know, because that's like a peanut butter jelly, but they're cut like on an angle, and it's got like two handles sticking out perfect. You bite one side, one side, the middle's there. It's like done. But that, that is, yes, that's part of fellowship. But God says it's so much more than that, right? Fellowship is also taking communion. We have communion up here every week. This also is fellowship. Home groups, Trip constantly talks about home groups. Sometimes it's almost irritating. But you know what? He says that for our benefit. Uh, church setup and church teardown. If you never come to do that, I mean, it sounds crazy, but you really are missing out. Um, some of my Probably my favorite time of church is, is before church and, and, and getting to know those people setting up. I mean, Jake and Craig Yester and, and, and all those guys, Garth, you know, there's a whole bunch of people. And, and that's when you really get to kind of share where you're at, ask where they're at, help each other out. Oh, I've been through this kind of some situation before. And, and uh, people, that's, that's fellowship. Fellowship is not necessarily an obligation. I, I know that I way too often and more than often, pretty much all the time, <laughs> except for the Ted's Donuts part, feel like fellowship is an obligation. And you know when, when my marriage really, really got good, besides my wife when she wanted me back and to be married to me again, because we were divorced, um, was I, I was at 7-Eleven one day, why we were divorced. And I was going to throw some things away. And, and, and I noticed next to the rubbish can um, that there was a, a bum sitting there. And I thought, oh, no. I was like, I'll just leave him in my truck. And I threw him back, and then I felt convicted because I, I didn't want to have to deal with him asking me for something. So I went over there, and I threw him away. And he didn't ask me, and I was like, wow, that was cool. And then I thought, you know what? why don't you ask him if he wants something? So I was like, hey, dude, you want anything? And he's like, nah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was really cool, you know? I was like, right on, I learned my lesson. And then I get in the car. I mean, I, I go inside 7-Eleven, and then I thought, you know what? Why don't you just buy him something anyway? So whatever I got, I got two of. It was just like a Gatorade and a Tiger's Milk or something. I don't remember. Uh, so I walk outside, and I give it to him. And he gives me this look like, I just told you I didn't want anything. And he wasn't even the least bit happy, not the least bit thankful. But you know what? I left that 7-Eleven so happy. And then I realized that my marriage, what I was lacking was that I would do things for my wife and I was hoping to get something in return. And I realized at that moment that I don't need to get something in return like that. You know, when I go into things with the right attitude, I get so much in return, like in this happiness that, that no matter what, if I wash the dishes and my wife offers her on my back, that that could never bring. You know, and so fellowship is very much the same way. It's not an obligation. God's saying, hey, you want to have joy? This is, the, this is what you do, you know. So one of the ways we know that we have fellowship with the Lord is that we have fellowship with others. It continues on in verse 7. The second half says, that, And the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. Now that brings us to the second word I want to look at, which is cleanses. Um, when we use the Greek word, which I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try, it speaks of a continual cleansing. Not just a one-time cleansing, but a, continually, a continual cleansing. So if I've surrendered my life to Christ and, and I've, I've made a habit out of walking in God's light and I continue to be in fellowship with other people, going to home groups, doing the things that God tells me I should be doing, God's, I, I'm continually being cleansed. You know, it, it, it's like a constant forgiving of, uh, of my sins. But just because I have this continual cleansing, it doesn't mean that I can just keep sinning. Uh, I mean, regardless, I, I keep sinning, but it doesn't mean I should be. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Another one in Galatians says, Whatever we sow will reap. And then probably the scariest of all is in Numbers. It says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I said I was homeschooled and I'm half Portuguese. But if God says, Be sure of something, you can be sure. It's not, it's not like, Well, if you sin it might find you out. You better hope it doesn't find you out. You know, there's a chance that it could. He says, no, be sure your sin is going to find you out. And, and sin has repercussion, lifelong repercussions, some of them, ones that you might not even realize. My wife tells me all the time about these diseases and, and effects that like doing drugs in your younger years can have on you way later on in life, ones that I never knew about. And I thought, I knew a decent amount of stuff, but no. Sin has repercussions, and when we sin, we can be sure that they will find us out. But what is sin? You hear people say all the time, oh, there's no absolutes. What's sin for you might not be sin for me. You know? 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. See, when I think of sin, I think of like, uh, you know, my mom telling me, you know, hey, don't do that, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I run over there and just eat the communion crackers before church, you know, or whatever. But I always think of sin as, as doing something wrong, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so deceived in doing that. There's a few verses that just really kick my butt, and, and I, I always seem to forget these. Uh, James 4.17 when we know what is right and don't do it, it's sin. See, sin is not only when we do something wrong, it's also when you know what's right and you don't do it. The Bible tells us that that's sin also. In Proverbs it says, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Sluggard's kind of a weird word, so I'm going to change it. How long will you lie down, O slacker? When will you arise from your sleep? You know, I can say one of the reasons I don't like the fellowship and the participation part of, uh, of what we were talking about, say, set up or tear down, is because I have two days to sleep in on the weekend, and Sunday's one of them, and you have to wake up early to be here. Or how many days 
Do I not want to wake up to do my devotions? The Bible tells us that this is also sin, slacking in these ways. We're not only talking of, of a physical lack of effort, but also a spiritual lack of effort. See, something that any of us who have a relationship with, with Jesus have done is, is, is we've realized we're a sinner. We all know, well, not, maybe not all of us, but there's a scripture in Romans that says that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That statement in itself is depressing, but uh, thankfully that's not the end. 1 John 1.9, we see here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know something amazing about light is that darkness can never consume it. Anytime there's, there's, there's a light, it will always win against darkness. And the problem is, is that light can be blocked out. I can put something in front of a light. You know, if my wife's getting ready for work, when I wasn't the best husband, she used to wake up earlier than me, and I'd just let her go, and I'd sleep. And, and, and in order to block out the light, I'd just shut the door. You know? Light can be ignored. It can be blocked out. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. As easy as light is to be blocked out, it's that easy to let light in. You know, your living room's starting to get dark, you open the curtains, you know. You want to let light in the room, you open the door. It, it's that easy. As simple as it is to block light out, it's that easy to get it back. I think throughout this whole study, um, probably that's the aspect that I've fallen in love with the most about light, and, and that's it's, uh, the power it has to overcome darkness. <clears throat> Psalms 139.12 says this about, about our God. It says, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. See, I've been in some dark situations, times where I was confused, I didn't know which way I was going to go, you know? I mean, me and my wife, she lost her faith. A lot of that had to do with seeing I was bringing into our marriage. And, and uh, it, what it resulted in was, was a separation from each other and then ultimately a divorce. And uh, at that time, my life was as dark as it had been, maybe not in a sinful sense, um, it was my sin, a lot of my sin that had got me to that place. Uh, but but in, a, in a sense of like, God, what do you want from me? And, and uh, I constantly would pray and, and, and ask him. And then my wife, in her life, she didn't have a relationship with God at the time. And in her life, the darkness she had was sin. And, and it was really dark for her. And so I can tell you, not, not from a theoretical standpoint, but from a factual standpoint, that no matter what your, your darkness, you know, whether it be confusion 
or whether it be sin, or whether it be a problem, it, it, it doesn't matter. And, and it doesn't matter how dark your situation is, no matter how dark those question marks are, you know, no matter how, no matter what you've done to sin. In fact, I would argue that the darker the darkness you bring before God, the brighter He ends up showing. You know, and, and that's, that's what I've experienced. I got friends who go through things now who wouldn't listen to the word God. But when they break up with their girlfriend of 11 years, all of a sudden they know someone whose life now radiates light who once was dark as he was. You know, I, I can relate. And so the darker the darkness is we bring, the brighter God shines. And, and I, I think it's through our lives that really reveals God's light. It's through our lives that God's life really shines. And I'm pretty much wrapping up here. Um, so this morning, um, I don't know where you're at. Uh, maybe maybe you've, been, you've been walking in the dark a little too long and, and your eyes have grown accustomed and, and you're feeling pretty good about where you are, are spiritually and, and you know, you... you you know that maybe you could do better, but hey, it always gets darker too, you know? So maybe this morning you need to check yourself and, and kind of see where you're at spiritually with uh, the light of God. Or maybe, maybe you don't even know God at all this morning. Maybe, maybe you don't think you can know him because, because of what you've done, you know? Maybe, maybe it's, I don't know what the reason is. But you know what? I can tell you this morning that, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says that, hey, you know what? Through you, I'm going to really shine. And so this morning, we got communion on this side, and we got communion on this side. So go ahead and, and take it at your leisure. You can take it up here. You can take it to your seat. You can take it to your car, whatever you want. We're going to have people up here to pray for you guys also, this side and, and this side. And, and these people, they're not there to like try and find out what you did wrong. They, they don't really care. Th that's not why they're there. They're there because they're hoping that you will get out of it as much as they're going to get out of it. So I'd encourage you, don't be shamed. Go ahead and pray with them. Um, just search your heart, see, see what you got to do. You know where you're at. And God knows where you're at. So be honest with yourself. Go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I thank you that it doesn't matter how dark we are, Lord. I thank you that, that you can just wipe all of that out. I ask that this morning you would search each one of us, Lord. Uh, check us and, and speak to us. Show us, show us what it is that, that you want to improve in our lives. Lord, I pray that, I pray that the hug that you have on our heart would, would be uh, so much greater than the fear we might have. Lord, I just ask that this morning we just have a blessed time after church also as we fellowship with one another, Lord. I thank you that you are God and that you are light and you do forgive us. And Lord, I pray that the, the love we have in you, that this morning you would just increase that in us this morning. And uh, we ask all these things in your, your name, Lord. Amen.
If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.